welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Graham Nye and Chris Dominic. Dominic, Chris, Dominic. Graham Nye, Graham Nye, Jason. <laughs> How are you? We're, we're pulling roll in class, right? Yeah. Graham Nye. Yeah. Graham Nye. Present. Yeah, that's so true. Were you a present person or a here person? I was a here. Yeah, and it's it's confusing. You yeah. could be a yo a yo person. Maybe they yeah. don't do yo in Australia. They do yo in America for sure. No, we just here and just really resigned. Like, oh, can I get out of this Latin class already? <laughs> oh man, Latin. Yeah, really. Do Latin. Come on. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't got to do Latin. I mean, really? my no, we don't. We can I kill you, Justin? We have completely abandoned the really? ancient academy. Oh yeah. Oh There's my gosh. No, the we don't have. It's the foundation language. No, no, we don't have the we don't have debate class anymore. We don't have public speaking anymore. It's oh, like a yeah. like a random remote elective. Some schools don't have music. Some schools yeah. have very reduced PE. Oh god, I'm starting all doom and gloom. Wow. Hey, and that down quickly, haven't we? <laughs> what the heck happened? I know, and that's really a bummer because this is going to drop on Christmas Eve. Mm. So we got to be in, in a festive mood. Are you festive? Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin ran away. <laughs> that's, that's not how we say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how we say it. <laughs> oh, yes, that's funny. Festive. Uh, it's Christmas Eve and it's going to be 110 degrees here tomorrow. <laughs> You know, that's so bizarre. I got to tell you, when I did Christmas with you that time, I really enjoyed it because it was so different. And mm. since we have so many American listeners, I just got to have you give the rundown about your major distinction. Like, what would you what would be the thing you call out as like the biggest difference? I mean, Besides the fact that it's summer for you. Yeah, I mean, it is so different. So the food, right? It's barbecues. It's you go to the seafood markets and get fresh seafood. So the food you eat is very different. It's, you know, it's usually daytime. It's a glorious summer day. The other thing energetically is it's our calendar year is our fiscal year is our school year. So Christmas is in between two academic years if you're a student and it's the long summer break. And so I remember when we lived in America for 10 years, I mean, Christmas was kind of squeezed in there and you worked right up to Christmas and you kind of were back at work pretty soon after Christmas. Whereas Christmas for us is the middle of six weeks, seven weeks of just vitamin D and a lot of lager. Okay. Um, so it's our it's our August. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's upside down, but it's funny culturally. Yeah. So we were all brought up though on the British um, traditions of, you know, Santa's going to come in a sleigh. There's a lot of snow. We're going to have a hot Christmas pudding and you're going to have these pennies in the pudding. So when you get your slice of pudding, you might get a penny. And when before you serve that hot pudding, you pour rum over it and you light that bastard. So you've got this <laughs> burning... Christmas pudding, and you've got pennies, probably off-gassing copper and iron oxide. Oh, my gosh. And that was what we did. My Welsh mother, God bless her, she would just stick to those traditions, which in sweltering 105-degree heat was so hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, yeah. So, I, so I'm guessing that anybody who, who is from the UK would, would hear this and go, oh, yeah, that's what we do too. I mean, is that all that is? It's just a uh, transplant? It's a perfect transplant. Turkey, hot, oh. hot, hot food. It's hot. It's, it's turkey and ham and, uh, and a yeah. cold ham and, and, and the, the, but the hot pudding was the big memory. And then once we got into sort of middle teenage years, I think mum gave up the ghost and we finally said, oh, look, there's a barbecue. 
oh, look, there's seafood. It's a miracle. But it, it, is, it was really funny cultural clash in a way. And now, many years later, obviously, Australia, it's the beach. You know, you've got the local surf club has Santa coming in on a surfboard. They've got a Christmas tree on the beach, which is hilarious because they've got mm-hmm. fake snow on the fake Christmas tree on a beach. So it's the kids have a lifetime of therapy ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, I do distinctly remember a guy surfing on Bondi Beach when I was there who had an elf hat on, you yeah. know, like, uh, which I thought, wow, like all he has to do is wipe out once and that's gone. But anyway, yeah. uh, it, it was a good day. Well, so I here's what I'm going to do. I've got, of course, strange things about Christmas cr- quiz for you. Oh, great. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if you can do better than one out of five. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Stone number one. Okay. Jingle Bells was originally not a Christmas song. I know. It's really? crazy, right? Okay. Yeah. What holiday was it originally supposed to be for? Hanukkah. That's a good guess, but you're wrong. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, it's supposed that's to be a sweet. Thanksgiving song. It was originally a Thanksgiving song. I'm going to change it. That's cool. All right. Here we go. True or false for you. Number two. Christmas was considered the most widely celebrated holiday in the American colonies. False, false. You're right. It is false. It was illegal from 1659 to 1681 and not celebrated for many years. Congress called the first session of Congress in America on December 25th, 1789, and Christmas was not a federal holiday for almost another century. That is amazing. You heathens. What I thought I was going to... I know. I think it's the Puritans were probably like... You're, it's there's probably something wrong with it. I, I didn't wow. dig into it, but anyway. So, all right, here we go. Number three. What percentage of Americans like eggnog? Egg, uh, do you know what eggnog is? I do. God, you are so rude in a really appropriate way because I could have easily not known what eggnog is. I couldn't tell you the ingredients. It's gross. Okay. I do know what a, pu- a pumpkin spice latte is, though, which is probably... Mm-hmm there in the same level um yeah. i think 91 percent of americans like eggnog no no not mm-hmm. even close 44 percent. Oh, so okay. yeah so a lot of people think it's gross like you 37 percent don't like it seven percent say they've never had it and 10 percent were sort of a meh they like had no opinion right all right number four how many americans does the consumer product safety commission estimate visits hospital emergency rooms each year from holiday decorating Twenty-three thousand. Oh, 14,700. I think that I think you're in the neighborhood though. I mean, you yeah. you got the spirit of that one. Yeah. This is like your best this is your best quiz ever. I'm All right, number fire. 5, you're on fire. Number 5, what does the Germanic word for mistletoe mean? Oh, that's a great question. Uh a reindeer's nose. It means dung on a twig. Okay, I kind of flamed out at the end there. I'm sorry. I'm on one coffee, okay? okay? Missile thrush birds eat the plants, berries, digest the seeds, and then the droppings eventually grow into new plants. So anyway. Yeah, all right. So because you've actually got two right, which is like, I, I could be wrong, but that might be like an all-time high. I'm going to give you a bonus, which is, should be just like a, like a big old fat softball for you. Ready? Yep. What is better for the environment, a natural tree or a plastic one? A natural tree. Yeah, by a lot. So the reason why I asked this one is because I just think it reminds me of like one of those 90s diet questions. Like, <laughs> like should you eat five pounds of jelly bellies or, you know, like like sugary things that have no fat in them 
or should you just or should you eat fat? And everybody would be like, no, no, you can't eat fat because that makes you fat. And it's like, well, now, now, now we know, right? It's, it's funny. People would buy the plastic tree. By the way, if, if you've got a plastic tree because it's just easier, I totally get it. And if you, at one point you believed it was better for the environment, I no no problem, man. Just know that that's really never been true. And it's just, I think somebody used to just be like, oh, save the trees and get a plastic tree. <laughs> and they, without really thinking about the fact that you can just grow more trees and the trees break down really easily. And, you know, yeah, there's lots. I mean, of all of the problems we have, trees as a renewable resource has not been as big of a challenge as people. So um, yeah, it's just there. We got a lot of bigger problems than that one. Anyway. OK, so let's talk about our interview. Jason. Yes. So Jason and I finished this interview with Dale Scott. We'll tell you about it in a minute. We'll get to the interview, but w- without having a spoiler or anything, I mean, what an amazing guy. It might throw some people off to hear that we're having a major league bo- baseball umpire on our show, but <laughs> you know, what we, we thought about was this umpires are some of the few people in society who are actually expected. They're paid to be objective people. Mm-hmm. They watch people think like crazy people all the time. Motivated reasoning, propaganda, all these things we've been talking about. We just thought it'd be really fun to talk to this guy. Jason, what was your takeaway? I mean, oh, well, first of all, I mean, baseball is such a fascinating sport. As an Australian living in America, I had colleagues at work who were obsessed with um, the Chicago Cubs. So the sport fascinates me. The role of the umpire, very different than that of cricket. The idea you can eject someone is just fantastic. And he was just the most fascinating, articulate guy around. It's not, it wasn't so much sport. I mean, the sport was interesting, but also this the, the thing we were diving into about motivated reasoning and trying to deal with these totally irrational sports people and managers in the heat of the absolutely, moment. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's it felt really special to get a little inside. Uh, uh, you know, that there is so few of those people. Hmm. I mean, it's such an elite job. Yeah. You basically get that job, get into the union, and then you're in. It's a lifetime. Basically, yeah. I mean, he might still be doing it if he didn't get those concussions. Uh, so let's go to the let's go to the interview now with Dale Scott, and we'll talk to you guys in a little bit. Our guest today is former Major League Baseball umpire Dale Scott. Dale umpired a total of three thousand eight hundred ninety-seven regular season games, ninety-one postseason games, three World Series, and issued ninety ejections in his MLB career of over thirty years. He also officiated the 2014 opening series at the Sydney Cricket Ground in Sydney, Australia. Welcome, Dale. We're very glad you could join us. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. We are so thrilled to have you here. I've got so many questions. I, <laughs> As a foreigner, watching uh, an umpire eject someone is one of the great theatrical moments that I recognized when I was in America for 10 years. So if we could just flip the cameras on and watch you do one, that would be great. But we are in <laughs> podcast land, so we just have to use our imagination. I do have to ask you the first question is how many insults do you think you heard in almost 4,000 games and what was the best one? Well, one was in the minor leagues. My, my first year uh, when I was in a uh, in the Northwest League and uh, I was in a town that's so nice they named it twice, Walla Walla. And I, uh, I was, and, and, and Walla Walla played at uh, that time in a football stadium. So the, the stands down the right field, first base and right field line were, were, you know, were like football stands. That would, that would be the out of bounds line, the, the long, you know, long part of the field. And then there was like, you know, just a little bit on the other side. But anyway, the, the point is they would have all this uh, room for, you know, I mean, they could probably hold 
several thousand people and they you know i think the most people i ever saw there was like i don't know seven or so i don't know it was really it was really it was not a lot of people uh went to the game and so and just as a side note i saw more <laughs> i saw more more fans get hit by foul balls and they're not they're not even there there's no one there and they still get hit i mean I, it, it blew me away um but one of the one of the uh funnier insults that i had i, I called it i was working the base it's just you and your partners the two-man crew and i i called a walla walla guy out at first base uh it was a uh, it was a banger uh which is uh, a very close play thank um, you dial yes you're welcome and um it, so that was the third out of the inning so runner kind of complained a little bit there was no big argument but it was a close play so so now i'm i'm going out to shallow right field where i stand uh, in between innings as they warm up and stuff and like i said there's very few people there there's just silence and all of a sudden i hear hey ump you know, and of course everybody can hear it. And I'm, and I'm looking straight ahead, not, not acknowledging that I hear this, that I, that I understand that everyone is hearing what this, what is going to come. And I'm just waiting for this. And he's real slow. He goes, Hey, um, what are you doing in the off season? Fall off bar stools. And so I started laughing actually, <laughs> I would say, because you're so used to the, 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 the normal, you know, you know, you're missing a good game. Let the kids play. Uh, you know, this was at least something different. Um, uh, you know, I've heard them all. <laughs> I'd like to <laughs> clarify right now that uh, my mother does not wear army boots, and that is yes. one of the things that they, they like to yell. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, that's, so, an, that's an oldie but a goodie. It yeah, is. We, yeah, that's, that's a standard. Yeah. 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 But you know, you know, it's funny. Uh, the, the the less of the crowd, the more you hear. And when when you have when you walk into a stadium that has forty seven thousand people. It's just noise, man. They're either cheering or they're booing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot of noise and, and you know, that's whatever. But when there's uh, hardly anybody there, or like in a big league game after a long rain delay or something, so a lot of people left, and now you come back out after two and a half hours delay and there's hardly anybody there, you hear everything, you know, <laughs> everything so from the stands you hear. Do you, in baseball really quickly, sorry, I'm so curious, do players abuse you? Well, not long. the 90 ejections. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, you know, they, they know what they can say. I mean, they, they know what they can get away with for the most part. And so usually for a, for a manager, coach, or a player, they eject themselves for the most part because they, they understand what they can and cannot say. And when they, when they cross that line, they're, they're you know, they're going to be dismissed for the evening. So, um, okay. I think we need you on for a second episode because the very British game of cricket that we are obsessed about in Australia, it's unsightly and it's outrageous that we'd ever abuse the hallowed umpires in the field. But uh, the sledging to the other players is just hilarious comedy. And there's a microphone in the base of each, at the end of each of the, on, on the cricket ground. And so you can sometimes hear it and it is comedy gold. But the umpires are absolutely preserved. We'd never abuse the likes well, of Dale. And, and, and that is the way it should be. Here, here, yes. here, yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's, yeah, you just, that's not the American way. You know this. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I no. mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's so disheartening, by the way, I should say something, Dale. Dale came and spoke to the Little League team that I was coaching. Uh, oh, boy. With, with, I know. And, and I thought that was the nicest thing ever. But, you know, it, it occurred to me after that, watching like a high school kid show up to high, to umpire a little league game. Oh, yeah. And there would invariably be something in the game that didn't go exactly right. And somebody would let him have it. And, oh, it's yeah. just, and you're like, OK, you have forgotten that that is a kid like you. Mm. He's got the gear on. So in America, that means you can yell at him. 
Like no, it's listen, just conditioning. That's yeah, conditioning. I mean, you know, I started umpire when I was fifteen during the summer. It's not you don't have a locker room and stuff. You put your you put your uh, plate gear on at, at your car and take it off at your car before you leave. Mm. Um, and of course, it was my parents' car because I was like sixteen, and mm-hmm. uh, and they followed me because they didn't they lost and they didn't like my calls. And mm-hmm. uh, as I'm trying to take my shin guards and, and chest protector off and everything, they're surrounding the car, uh, yelling at me, uh, claiming they're going to you know slash my tires or or, or uh, key the car. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm saying, how am I going to explain this to my father? And uh, but no, it's insane. The, the uh, sports official pick a sport, but the sports official uh, here in America is is fair game for everybody. In fact, um, I think it's a lot cheaper uh, than a, a, a shrink for these people because they can let yeah. out all this stuff, you know, for their yeah. uh, uh, and, and and probably feel much better. So we as officials have to understand uh, they're yelling at a uniform. They don't know who I am. And, uh, yeah. and you know, and they're the same people that'll be cheering me when I uh, have a call that goes their way. So right. it's an American tradition, Jason. Yeah. Jason, Jason also couldn't figure out why we didn't drink during little league games. Uh, in America. So, you know, that's how different the cultures are, apparently. Like, you, well, uh, you've mentioned some parents drink. Yeah. I've, I've, well, well <laughs> right. But it's, but they've got to hide it, right? I mean, exactly. exactly. I mean, you, we all know what they're doing. Nobody has got that much water in their can. <laughs> right. Right. You know, right. it's like, oh, wow, look at how nice all of those thermos cans are. Anyway, okay. So, Dale, one of the issues we've got in society right now, and then this is one of the reasons why we're so interested in talking to you, is because we've got people believing what they want to be true regardless of whether it is or not and of course this is you know this is like right in your wheelhouse we've we've talked about this concept of motivated reasoning here on the show before but i was reminded of something preparing for the interview and i thought this would set up the question the first study to prove motivated reasoning as a phenomenon was done in the 50s social scientists noticed how different yale fans saw a particular play in the game rather than the harvard fanatics and of course i say fanatics to remind people that's where the word fan comes from college football was the sport that used for the experiment. And if a pass interference call went against Yale, it was seen as a blown call by Yale fans and correct by Harvard fans. And of course, the neutral fans, you know, saw it pretty much how the, the officials did. The problem that we're dealing with, of course, is that people aren't just fanatics about sports. <laughs> They're fanatics about a whole lot of things now uh, that independent of the evidence to support how true it is. And with all of this as the backdrop, I mean, you and your career, you were being asked to be the arbiter of truth and justice surrounded by wolves. I mean, how the heck did you do that for 30 years? Well, I drank a lot. Uh, <laughs> and that's the end of the interview. <laughs> and we're out. This yeah, episode okay, to- brought to you by Smirnoff and Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of filler here now. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I um, well, you know, your challenge as an umpire is to walk out there and try to do it to the best of your ability, getting uh, pitches and plays uh, right. And um, it doesn't matter who's pitching or who's hitting or what teams are involved or what the score is. You're you're focused on that. And you know, it's I forget who said it years ago, but it's the uh, it's one of the only professions that you're supposed to start out perfect and get better. Um, and, and, and so good. <laughs> As an official, you have to uh, just understand that these people are seeing the game with their hearts and not their heads. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I wish I could, maybe I need to learn how to say that the next time one of my friends or relatives uh, says something nuts to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's thinking with his, with his heart, not his mind, you know, like, yeah. I I have two questions. One is, do you get, 
does your performance get reviewed at the end of each game? Do you sit down with a panel? Uh, well, well, every call, every pitch that you call, yeah. every play that you call is scrutinized, yeah, is reviewed. You don't necessarily have it like right after the game. You might if there's a supervisor in town or whatever, but you but you have the next day, uh, all the pitches that you called, you know, that weren't hit or swung at are evaluated and you get it wow. you get it you get it you go online and, you know and, and it shows you the pitches that you missed according Gosh. to the uh, the computer stuff and then any play that you had uh, and even non or any call that you had on the on the basis but even non calls uh, maybe maybe you should have called obstruction and you didn't right. Right. Um, and that'll be uh, scrutinized also. So yeah, we're, we're heavily scrutinized by the league and by right. the, the supervisors and uh, you know, for every, every single game, every single play, every single pitch. So interesting. So did you get any training in conflict resolution? <laughs> <laughs> on the job, on the job. Really? Training. Just like- uh, well, no, you, you, you know, you learn at umpire school and then you, and a lot of it's just, you learn by experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, when I was in the minor leagues, uh, you know, and that's where everybody's learning. The players mm-hmm. are learning, the umpires are learning, the, the, a lot, many times the managers and coaches are learning they're, when they're just starting out in that field, but after a playing career or whatever. But um, I mean, there were times, and, and even in the big leagues too, don't get me wrong, because you're always learning this uh, in this profession. But uh, there were times that I handled a situation, I said something or did something during a situation that I thought would be a good thing to do and that... All it did was throw fuel on the fire, and it blew up. And I, and I would, you know, note to self, uh, probably won't do that again. Uh, wow. You know, because you just learn by experience. I mean, it, mm-hmm. there's nothing that can replace, or or, or there, you, you can't teach experience. I could, yeah. I could, uh, I could tell a a, a new group of uh, umpires this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. But until you're out there and doing it, I, a lot of times I, I equate it to when someone, a, a student driver, 16 yeah. year old, just learning how to drive and they, you know, they teach you with your hands on the wheels, 10 and two, right? Yep. Um, but once you have some experience driving, rarely do we go 10 and two. I mean, we just, mm-hmm. you know, because you're, you've got experience, you know what you're doing. Sometimes you will go back to 10 and two though, if, if, if it's really a place you don't, you know, five lane freeway in LA and you, you're, you're not familiar with the area and the people are whizzing about, you might go back to 10 and two because you are trying to figure everything out as you're driving mm. and that's that's you know going back to the basics and it's the same thing with umpiring if i'm behind the plate and, and believe me this is a 30 plus year veteran that i am there, there are nights you go out there that just isn't whatever re- it's not like a player for whatever reason it's just you're not just you're not seeing the ball very well your time is mm-hmm. mm. you're not you're, feeling it you're just yeah. not feeling it. and so what do i what do i do i go back to 10 and 2 i go back to the basics right. that you're taught from day one and, and slow everything down and try to get back on track. And that's, you know, that's just how, how you, how you do with it. So experience is something that you can't teach, you can tell everybody how to do it uh, mm-hmm. and what you should look for and all that. But until you're out there and doing it and screw it up a few times, because that's, yeah. that's what experience is. It's not just everything going well. It's, it's when you don't go so well and you learn from it. Yeah. You know, I, I've always, always been impressed when you see a, an umpire talking to a manager or a player and the umpire or the player, or rather the player or the manager actually look like they're listening. And so I guess I was, I always think to myself, that's got to be something that was acquired the hard way, like learning how to do that. So I just got to ask, like, is there something from your youth where you just, you had a bad experience (laughs) trying to talk to somebody, you got screamed at and it didn't go very well. And you thought, oh, I've got to figure out a different way to be able to talk to people. Or, (laughs) I mean, is there anything like that from your past? I was dropped a lot as a kid. Maybe that's probably probably the problem. But I, I you know, the, uh, 
<laughs> I'm not sure if that's scientifically what you're talking about, but I, um, you know, one thing that we we you learn again, uh, umpire school where we teach when I do clinics and stuff is for umpires is you, you have two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of times a, a player, uh, especially a manager or coach, will come out and argue. You know, hey, he, you know, he he got the tag. I can't believe you. You know, you missed it. Blah blah blah. And you listen to what they have to say, and then you know, most in most cases they run out of ammunition. They've said what they have to say and they're starting to repeat themselves. That's when you mm-hmm. ju- that's when you jump in and say, okay, I've heard I've heard what you got. This is what I have, you know, and you and you try to tell them, you know, what you saw. And then if they if they start disputing again and start start back on the whole same track, you just say, okay, hey, listen, I, I heard what you had to say. Uh, this is what I got. I told you what I got. Uh, obviously, we disagree. We got to move on now. Let's go. Yeah. And, and so, so it, you know, he had his chance to say what he had to say. I didn't cut him off or try to scream over him. But once he's had that chance, and once I explain, if he wants to hear it. Now, sometimes I start to explain, and they just keep yelling. I say, okay, if, if you don't want to hear what I have, that's fine. This this discussion's over. You know, and and right. and and shut it down. I mean, it's easy to eject people. That's easy. Oh, you're gone. Hey, you too. You're gone. Boom. You're gone. Uh, but what's 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 difficult and a challenge sometimes is to keep them in the game. Right. And and, mm-hmm. and and that's by uh, you know trying to diffuse the situation trying to get them to listen to you and and it, now they may not agree still that's fine but at least you're at a point where you're listening to each other now that being said there, there are just you know automatic stuff that, that they do they're going to be ejected it doesn't matter sure you no know, i feel happened. like we've kind of morphed into relationship and counseling this is fantastic <laughs> i'm just looking over at my wife and i'm ready to i'm either going to reject her from the relationship or i'm going to say okay I've said my piece. This is fantastic, Dale. So unexpected. Yeah. Thank you. It seems kind of silly, but where are the other examples that you see at all in people listening is twice as much as they're talking. Oh, right. I mean, right. I mean, right. it does make you think, wow, maybe that's a relatively simple solution for some things. Well, you know, and that and that's not necessarily the solution for everything. That's that's one thing. Another well, thing is, uh, that we've uh, that you're talking, you know, if if you know, it's chaos and they're they're screaming and you and you start talking softly, what happens? They shut up so they can hear you. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I've got a burning question for you. You Go have obviously, doctor. yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have obviously umpired at the great stadiums, Fenway Park, Shawley, Yankee Stadium, Wrigley Field. I want you to really carefully lay out for me why umpiring at the Sydney Cricket Ground in 2014 was the greatest experience of your life. And just take your time. Paint the picture. <laughs> well, I don't know. How long is this show? I mean, I don't know if we have enough time. This could be a three-parter now. Um, <laughs> if we add in the if we add in the, the marriage counseling, it's a full time. You know, Australia love is everywhere. I believe my fee has just gone up. Um <laughs> Listen, that experience was so special and so much fun for for us. And um, the, the the history um, that you know that we you know learned from from the the locals there that were telling us about it, and just being on that field and understand and, and being in that old clubhouse. They you know all the uh, all yeah. the uh, officials or uh, what are they called in in cricket? Are they are they They're called umpires? umpires? Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. umpires. Yeah. Yep. All the umpires that worked, they sign the wall in the in in, in the oh, officials' cool. uh, locker room. And so we got to sign the wall, you know, oh, uh, for, awesome. the, for the for the for the baseball. But so um, 
unless uh, somebody got the wrong work order and went and painted that, I, it should still be there. <laughs> that is so right. I've just got to ask that this whole perception of that you always see in games where the fans go bonkers thinking something happened in the game was a blown call when it was actually correct. I mean, is, what's the craziest thing you've seen? I mean, you you did this a long time. You have to see some nutty things. Yeah, you know, first of all, I, I hate I hate the term, uh, you know, bad call or blown call. I always yeah. like to call it a misunderstood call. Um, <laughs> And I, you know, for God. obvious reasons, uh, <laughs> oh, I, nice. um, first of all, there are times when you're on the field um, and you make a call and you just, you almost, almost the second after you make it, you go, oh God, um, you just, you, because <laughs> you, you know that you, you missed it. And, you know, it's, you know, like, like I'll a catcher, I'll, I'll ball a pitch and the catcher go, Ooh, and I'll go, you know, he'll throw the ball back and I'll, and I'll, you know, depend on the catcher. Cause some guys, you know, again, personality, some guys you would never tell this to anybody and others you, you can, because you know, they're not going to use it against you, but you'll, he'll throw it back and, you know, where'd you have that pitch Dale? And I, uh, well, I had it outside, but you know, yeah, come to think of it, if you threw it there again, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'd be a strike. You know, and you're just you're just letting him know that hey, hey guess what? I I I, I missed it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to ball that all day. And, and, and if I do, I, yeah, you know, I'll probably that's awesome. Uh, but, but but there are times that that happens. Now there's other times that I've made a call and I was just I knew you know hey I had I saw it well I was in great position I I was right you know and I could get an argument whatever and I go in after the game and watch it and I missed it and I'll just go you got to be kidding <laughs> you know because wow. you because you were so confident uh, you know that you got it right and then that's never happened to any of us by the way <laughs> never um, I've got a question for you Dale do you have a pet peeve when when you were umpiring was there something about I don't know how players moved around or something the way you just got really frustrated and when people would um uh challenge my authority no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> I, I, um, you know one of the pet peeves and, and some managers is is constant chirping yeah. um, mm -hmm. uh, it's one thing if there's a a close pitch that you know might be a key part of the game or something and they hey come on that you know that pitch isn't high or you know whatever but when they they're asking about practically every pitch that doesn't go their way. Okay, you know, you're not, I mean, this is a long game. I'm not going to sit here and listen to this right. every single pitch that goes against you. You know, I mean, and, and I've I've told that before. I've, I've just, at some point I said, hey, you know, that's, we're not going to do this all night. You know, just mm. let them know. And, so, hey, what do, why don't we flip that around? Because, I mean, just to throw a little bone to the baseball fans out there, who are some of the players who are on your all-time, like, class act list? Maybe they weren't, they were the opposite of chirpers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's uh, uh, you know Harold Reynolds, who who has had a long career uh, behind the mic now, Baseball Network now. Um, yeah, he was awesome. MLB, uh, but but yeah, I mean, when he played, you know, he he uh, it helped that he was from Oregon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and his, yeah, and his brother played for uh, for the Ducks. Uh, Tom Kelly, the manager for the Twins, who uh, mm. uh, you know had a very successful career. I think Minnesota Tom, Nice, uh, Minnesota Nice, and you know the yeah. thing is in his career, and I think he won two World Series or whatever, and yep. and, and but he you he. Only got ejected, I think, three times his whole career. Of course, I got one of them, but uh, um, <laughs> you know, still, do you put but, like nuts in your cap? How do you do that? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, it's, I, you know, you tell you tell other umpires, yeah, I ran Tom. You go, you ran Tom. How did you? <laughs> 
How's, how, how bad did you screw up to, to run Tom Kelly, for God's sake? Um, you know, but, but uh, yeah, there, there, there are certain guys that let you work and, 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 uh, and, and we're fair. You know, that, that's the whole thing. Mm. Just be fair. I mean, there are going to be times that they need to get ejected because they're trying to fire up their team or, or it's a, it's a mm. critical play at a critical part of the game. And they're just going to go berserk no matter, you know, and, and frankly, if I call it the Fans other way, the, the other guy would have gone berserk. Yeah. Or, or trying to fire up the crowd or whatever. And I've had a couple instances where uh, I, I, you know, we, yeah, it was Tom, it was, it was Tom Kelly in Minnesota. It was in Oakland. I had the plate. It was a tie game in the uh, top of the eighth inning. Uh, uh, Minnesota had runners at first and second, no outs. Uh, they put down a sacrifice bunt, a perfect bunt. Uh, advances the guys to second and third. The catcher comes. He only has one play. He throws to first. But the 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 batter runner did not run in the running lane. He's out of the running lane. So the catcher throws to first and it hits him in the shoulder. I've got mm-hmm. interference. He's out and the runners go back. You know, in a tie game in the eighth inning, pretty big, pretty big uh, call. And uh, the the batter runner, you know, he he started complaining a little bit. And here comes Tom Kelly running. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a pretty good argument because it's you know the two teams fighting for first place in September, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes out, and as he's approaching me, I said, I said, Tom, he's out of the running lane. He goes, I know he's out of the running lane. I know he's out of the running lane. But good God, he goes, he put down a perfect bunt, a perfect bunt. And what does he do? He can't run in the running lane. And and so now as he's saying this. He's flaying his arms up and down and up and down. It's just like he's reading me the riot act, right? And so I start to laugh when he starts saying this. And he, and he gets his finger right in my face. He goes, you can't laugh. You can't laugh. We have cameras on us. And so... <laughs> So I, so I'm, you know, listening, okay. and he goes, he goes. So here I am, here I am. I have a first and second, nobody out, perfect bunt, and the guy can't run in the damn running lane. And so now you have to send him back because you make a great call. Look and make me come out here look like an idiot. And he goes flying, and he goes running off, you know. And it looked like he had just, you know, chewed me a new one. And mm-hmm. uh, and and he actually was just at first protecting his player to get him out of the way, and then and then just uh, trying to show his team, you know, and, and everybody else that he, you know, uh, it was a big play, and it went against him. But, but he, uh, you know, that doesn't happen often. But that's somebody that sh- that that's that's fair. He understood that th- his guy screwed up, and it's 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 uh, it's not often when that happens. He used you, so he killed two birds with one stone because he actually fired up his people mm-hmm. and he backed up his player, and he really just needed you to vent too. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I'm happy to play that role. Uh, <laughs> Get it out, Tom. Get it out. <laughs> really, uh, uh, much cheaper than a shrink. So funny. Um, I we love to debunk myths on this show, and obviously, we you know myths like baseball is you know baseball is a superior game to cricket. That's a silly myth. What what oh, are yeah. the other? <laughs> hey, yeah. that's another episode. What, what are the are there some myths that we can debunk here about being an umpire or a sports official generally? Well, that we that we care who wins. Um, um, that mm. we we make up calls. Right. Um, <laughs> earlier, I said you know there there would be a pitch. That I said well you know if you threw it there again, I I, I think that'd be called a strike. I mean th- that's not necessarily a makeup call. It's just it's just admitting that that pitch is a good pitch, and I'm not mm. going to ball that the rest mm. of the game. Yeah. This has been so fascinating, and as you are aware, we have absolutely no sponsorship support. So while we have joked about <laughs> a seven part series spanning the next I don't know twelve months. Uh, that's not going to be possible. You've got to have thought about writing a book or something. This is fascinating. Actually, I am writing a book. Um, uh-huh. I just, uh, in October, uh, signed with uh, University of uh, Nebraska Press uh, nice. as a publisher. I've got nice. a, a writer, uh, Rob Nyer, who happens to live here in uh, here in Portland, but he's been a longtime uh, baseball writer. But he's worked with ESPN and Fox, and uh, he's written several books himself. And so it's, this has been something that, I, I, when I retired, I swore that I wasn't 
wasn't going to, because I was asked a lot and I swore I was never going to write a book because a lot of umpires have written books and, you know, they can be kind of entertaining, a lot of stories and a lot of, you know, BS, whatever. But it, you know, I, I just didn't want, that wasn't something I was uh, looking forward to or, or wanting to do. But as I've been retired and, and several people have talked to me about it and, and, you know, with my, not only my experience on the field in baseball, a long time umpire, but also my coming out, uh, being the first uh, major of the five big sports uh, coming out, uh, active official to come out and, and, and that whole experience and how that uh, worked out. But that, there's a, there's a, there was a little uh, more than just uh, umpire stories and stuff. And, and, and Rob kind of actually talked me into, uh, uh, you know, changing my thoughts about that a little bit, him and, and other people. So, yes, I am writing a book, although it's, we just are in the beginning stages of it. We hope to have the manuscript to the publisher uh, next spring. And uh, we're told if everything goes well, it should be published in, and out uh, in uh, the spring around April of 2022. That is so exciting. That's great. It's that, I mean, that whole journey, your whole career journey is fascinating. And particularly the coming out piece, we in Australia, we love cricket and we love rugby. And in rugby, Nigel Owens is a very famous Welsh referee who famously came out. It's it's just been so great to see that we're in a day and an age where that's possible and fantastic and normal. So that looks like a great read. Now, as your book manager here in the Southern Hemisphere, obviously you will be touring Australia. Is that true? I would. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 it's part of my contract. Excellent. I, uh, and, uh, you know, it'll be in, uh, uh, printed in several different languages. Um, <laughs> That's so cruel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With how and we so, spell yeah. funny down here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, um, you know, one thing I remember when I went, first time I went to Australia, it, it, there was a line for something. I go, I go, uh, are you in line to go at line? We're in a queue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I, go, I go, really? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's a queue? I, oh, I <laughs> uh, no, but I, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll everything will go smooth. We'll have a you know a bestseller. I'll be touring the world. You know, you know all that stuff. That's amazing. I, I you know what I'm really looking forward to reading it, and I'm sure you're going to inspire some young people that realize you know anything's possible. That's that's a really great message, and I, you've done a very brave thing. That I know there are a lot of people who are very proud of it. Um, mm. In fact, I, I got to tell you, I, when I saw. When you first came out, I saw a note from the commissioner. Yeah. And it was the most warm, genuine thing. He just said, we've always been proud of Dale. It was a great statement. Yeah. I mean, I, I was taken aback almost. Uh, it just it, How um, just well, <laughs> well-written statement it was. And, and it was mm-hmm. so so sincere and and i i gotta say uh base you know major league baseball has been even before i have publicly officially came out i mean guys i worked with knew the people that signed my checks knew i mean it, it, you know uh, my husband that we've been together since 1986 i mean he had a he had a a, a spouse id card like all the wives get mm-hmm. you know that, um and 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 that kind of stuff and so the actual coming out process was was uh not news basically you know to people I worked for and with, but it was, you know, the teams, the media, the fans, but I got, I had so much feedback, all of it so positive. And, and you were saying inspiring other people. I mean, I, I always tell the story, but it's one of my favorites that it really meant something. I, I got an email from a, a high school senior, he was a senior in high school in, in the LA area who umpired, who wanted to become a major league baseball umpire, but always thought there was no, and he was gay, he was not out, mm-hmm. and he always thought there was absolutely no way I could ever make it to the big leagues mm-hmm. because, of, because of who I am. And now, and this is what he wrote me, he goes, but now I know because of you that I may not have the skills to be a major league umpire, but it won't be because of who I am. Yeah, That's huge. Yeah. You know, That's that was really, huge. really huge. I mean, 
That's that's the thing that we're all looking to. That's that's true freedom, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. amazing. That's beautiful. Well, listen, I'm really looking to, forward to reading your book. I hope it's out during baseball season, so we're going to restaurants and concerts and ball games. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it, it, supposedly it'll be, it'll be right, you know, right about the start of the 22 season. So that'll okay, be. perfect, perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dale. We really appreciate your time. It's been great. Thanks, I've had Dale. a lot of fun, guys. Thank you, you so much. Well, there it is, Dale Scott. Oh, amazing. So cool. Our first interview, Jason. It feels like we're adults now. We're wearing big boy pants. We're wearing big yeah. boy pants. We've got a shirt with a collar on now, in a sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm excited. That was such a great conversation. I'm kind of thinking through, who's next? Who's next I, on the podcast? Yeah, well, I, think, I think we're going to have to get that going. And we'll probably have to listen closely and say to ourselves, hmm, we might need to take our interviewing up again. <laughs> 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 so anyway we'll see um all right hey jason it was great talking with this week we've got some great stuff coming up for you everybody please keep giving us those great reviews you have it's been great and uh we will see you all real soon see you bye thank you for joining us at the recombobulator lab with chris dominic and jason graham catch you next time